Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And in case you didn't get it, he said again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide you will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where might one suppose that writer is when he's penning these words? In comfortable surroundings, full of health, no worries economically, surrounded by friends and family who love him, secure in his future, his vision for the purpose of his life completely fulfilled. Well, actually, the opposite could not be more true. The Apostle Paul is in prison, attached to a Roman guard around the clock with a change every two hours. He's completely dependent on others for his nourishment and clothing, unlike modern jails, modern prisons. When you were in prison in Rome or in any of the Roman prisons, uh, you were completely dependent on people you might know on the inside to provide food for you and any of your needs. He also has people on the outside of the jail who are stirring up trouble for him. He's awaiting trial that could very well end with a death sentence by beheading. He has some kind of a medical condition that's been a thorn in his flesh throughout his ministry. We don't know what it was, but it's evidently causing him some discomfort and some disability in that which he feels that he has been called to do. He'd wanted to come to Rome freely to strengthen the faith of the community of Christians there and then get their support to travel on further to Spain. He had had this wonderful ministry in Asia Minor centered out of Antioch and now he's wanting, he had wanted to get to Rome as a free man to speak with the Christian communities there and then move further west with the gospel message. But instead, he's in chains after two years of being in prison in fear of his life because there's been Pharisees and a sect within Judaism in Jerusalem who've taken a vow um, to not shave, to, to just their sole focus is uh, to kill Paul. Trying to sense he's been safe in prison, but you know, not really. They're outside and they keep trying to maneuver with the next person in charge in Caesarea Maritima to have Paul killed. And that's actually why he'd been, he'd been sent to Rome. On the way to Rome, he was shipwrecked. After swimming to shore with the other survivors onto the island of Malta, he was bitten by a snake while uh, collecting firewood, a snake whose venom would normally have resulted in a quick and painful death. It appears unlikely at this point that he will fulfill what he believes to be his purpose in life. 
Not only that, if that were not bad enough, Paul says of his lifetime ministry, five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked." We think we have it bad. And he says, in the face of all of that, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. And we think, how can that be? Because we've confused happiness and joy. You see, happiness... Uh, which is not necessarily a Christian uh, thing to think about. Happiness depends on our external circumstances. But joy, the ability to praise God in all circumstances, has everything to do with our relationship with God in Christ Jesus and nothing to do with our external circumstances. Everything to do with our relationship with God in Christ Jesus. Listen, we live in a world in which we are bombarded by media whose stock in trade is the ugly, the unholy, the impure, the evil, the sensational, the unjust, and the vicious. And some news stations try and mitigate all of the focus on that which is evil and dark by kind of tacking on, you've seen them, about a three-minute little vignette at the end of the uh, news time about um, somebody to uh, a person or an event that is uh, good. There's goodness there. How would it be if 27 minutes of that half an hour were spent on what is good, what is pure, what is holy, and quickly three minutes on what's going on so we're informed but not bombarded. How would life be if the goodness of life that is out there were the focus of what we spent our time during that half an hour on? We can be informed without being bludgeoned. Paul says, make the choice to focus on wonderful and lovely things, on whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Some of you might know the artist Joy Postal. George Medill gave me this some time ago, and it's exactly this passage. It's a beautiful uh, print. Uh, well, actually, it's an original um, Uh, that says um, in the old, more traditional language, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those of you who are on Facebook might have seen a cartoon called Coffee with Jesus. Um, it's, it, he's really brilliant. Um, I sometimes repost them. This is a, this is a blown-up version of it, Coffee with Jesus. And so um, whoever's with him has a coffee cup, and Jesus has a coffee cup as well. And this one is uh, a woman who keeps reappe- reoccurring. Um, Satan appears in kind of like a cap and uh, a three-day uh, beard, you know, unshaven for three days, and, and those are quite um, interesting interchanges as well. This one is with Laura, Lisa, sorry, Lisa. And she says, there's so much chaos, confusion, anger, and scandal out there, Jesus. It's making me crazy. And Jesus responds, I leave you with peace, Lisa. My peace I give you. The peace I give you, the world can't give. So don't be troubled or afraid. To which Lisa replies, easier said, Jesus, no offense. To which Jesus replies, and easier done when you quit feeding your appetite for chaos, confusion, anger, and scandal, Lisa. The thing has an off button. Words from Jesus through coffee with Jesus. The thing has an off button. But I want to ask you, how many times over this summer have you gone away somewhere into God's beautiful creation or even for a long weekend and you've kind of disconnected from all of that stuff and you've just kind of spent time either in the beach or in the, the beach or in the mountains or wherever and you've reconnected back again to the goodness that the Lord has created in this amazing creation. And, and just praise God for all of those gifts that he's given to delight the eye, to stir the heart, to just bring us such joy inside. Now, there's a choice that we have whether or not we focus on the darkness or we focus on the goodness and the light. See, there's never been no when there was no illness, no war, no evil, no suffering. There never has been an era when those things have been absent. But since Christ's birth, his death, resurrection, and ascension... There is a way to walk with peace through all of those situations. Paul should know, and the early Christians did also many in the face of martyrdom. It just involves a choice. Those who have suffered from addictions know this. Eventually, there comes a point where they're confronted with a choice. Will the addiction kill them? Or will they choose 
to turn and follow God into a new path for their lives. And they know that's not easy. It is a battle. But it is also a choice because God gave us all free will. And Paul challenges us to choose to trust that God is ultimately in control, that he will answer our prayers on whatever topic we want to pray about. People say to me, oh, well, God's too busy to deal with my small, my small requests. You have a very small view of God if you think he's too busy to deal with your everyday requests. Because if it matters to you, it matters to God. If it matters to you, it matters very much to the God who loves you. And so Paul says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In other words, live knowing that God is present. You don't have to petition him to be with you. He is. His promise is, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with you. But how many things block out our ability to know, to sense, to hear, to see that presence which is even now here with us, with you, corporately and individually? What things block us from knowing God's intimate presence and love with us? We can tend to kind of leave here and get back into the real world. Listen, this is more real than any reality out there because the reality is that God is present. And he goes with you wherever you go. The early Celtic Christians knew this. All of their lives were lived prayerfully before God. When they woke up in the morning, there was a prayer to God. When they set the fire in the hearth, in their little crofts, in the cold of the Outer Hebrides in Scotland or in the valleys and mountains in Ireland or in north of England, when they set the fire in the hearth, they prayed a prayer over it. When they went out into the fields with their cattle and their sheep, they prayed a prayer. When they milked the cow, they prayed a prayer. When they loomed with the waft and the weave, they prayed. Over children, they prayed. In the evening, when they smothered the fire, they prayed. When they got into their bed, they prayed. 
There was never a time when they did not know that God was really near. It was not an easy life. In the 400s, 500s, 600s, 700s, it was a tough life. There was suffering, there was, there was pain, there was hardship then. Listen to a couple of these prayers. Bless to me, O God, each thing mine eye sees. Bless to me, O God, each sound mine ear hears. Bless to me, O God, each odor that goes to my nostrils. Bless to me, O God, each taste that goes to my lips, each note that goes to my song, each ray that guides my way, each thing that I pursue, each lure that tempts my will, the zeal that seeks my living soul, the three that seek my heart, the zeal that seeks my living soul. My God and my chief, I seek to thee in the morning, My God and my chief, I seek to thee this night. I am giving thee my mind. I am giving thee my will. I am giving thee my wish, my soul everlasting, and my body. Mayest thou be chieftain over me. Mayest thou be master unto me. Mayest thou be shepherd over me. Mayest thou be herdsman over me. Mayest thou be guide unto me. Mayest thou be... With me, O Chief of Chiefs, Father everlasting and God of the heavens. God, bless thou thyself, my reaping, each ridge and plain and field, each sickle curved, shapely, hard, each ear and handful in the sheaf. Bless each maiden and youth, each woman and tender youngling. Safeguard them beneath thy shield of strength and guard them in the house of the saints. Encompass each goat, sheep, and lamb, each cow and horse and store. Surround thou the flocks and herds and tend them to a kindly fold. Pastures smooth, long and spreading, grassy meads beneath your feet. The friendship of God, the Son, to bring you home to the fields of the fountains. This is a prayer over the cattle. Closed be every pit to you. Smoothed be every knoll to you. Cozy every exposure to you beside the cold mountains. Bless, O God, my little cow. Bless, O God, my desire. Bless thou my partnership and the milking of my hands, O God. Bless, O God, each teat. Bless, O God, each finger. Bless thou each drop that goes into my pitcher. O God, and on a journey, God be with thee in every pass. Jesus be with thee on every hill. Spirit be with thee on every stream, headland and ridge and lawn, each sea and land, each moor and meadow, each lying down and each rising up in the trough of the waves, on the crest of the billows, each step of the journey that thou goest. How would it be if with every single thing that we do, we offer up a blessing to God and we ask his blessing on those we love? An 18th century lay monk knew this, Brother Lawrence. 
he was in a monastic community outside of Paris and uh, he just couldn't concentrate on the rote prayers that the other monks were saying. And he beat himself up about this until he heard God say, just pray as you can. He uh, worked in the kitchen and so each time he picked up his broom, Lord, I give this time to you. I praise you that I am able to hold this broom. As he swept the floor, each, each piece of straw, he would praise God. Everything that he did was surrounded by prayer. Don't you think that in that way, he was just always in God's presence or he knew himself to be in God's presence, that there was not one thing, not one thought, not one action, not one interaction that wasn't done in the presence of God. And then 15 years ago, Becky Harling, some of you might know that name, at the age of 42, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and was facing a double mastectomy. She decided to fast and pray and beg God for healing and peace of mind. But her mentor, she writes, had another idea. She challenged her to spend 20 minutes every day for a week in pure praise. 20 minutes a day in pure praise. After tackling the challenge, she wrote praise awakened my heart to his voice. Many morning, before my alarm went off, he woke me up with an invitation that went like this. Wake up, my child. Come and be with me. Praise me and enjoy my presence. I came to realize that God was excited to have me come and spend time with him. He longed for intimacy with me. That thought alone boggled my mind. As I continued the practice of private praise, God's presence became more tangible and I began to change into a more positive, confident and secure woman. Praise changed me from being fearful, frantic and insecure to being a calm person filled with passion and purpose. Before... I sometimes felt abandoned by God. Afterward, his presence in my life became more concrete and I found it easier to trust him. It was something the Lord spoke to me about on my sabbatical. Listen, if I don't spend time in prayer, what earthly use am I in this ministry? I'm just spinning my wheels. If we don't spend time in prayer, we're trying to do things in our own strength. And then what happens? We're just burdened and burnt out. Every minute, every day, God is with you. She wrote a book called The 30-Day Praise Challenge. I'll put a link to it on the weekly e-news. It has an invitation 
then it has a place to think through what has just been spoken. The invitation is spoken as if it's God speaking directly to you. There are hymns or songs she suggests to listen to, and then there's a prayer and a prompting for a journal entry, for you to write a journal entry. I'll just share one with you from day five. The scripture is, I, the Lord, do not change. The Lord speaking to you. My child, I am the Lord who does not change. People and circumstances in your life continually change, creating undercurrents of anxiety. When anxiety threatens to overwhelm you, come to me and praise me that I am holding you ever so tightly. When the waves of life roll around you, cling to me as the one who never changes. I am Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise me continually, especially during tumultuous times. When you dare to praise me, I will strengthen your confidence in me as your rock. I am your refuge and strength, a continual help. Even during seasons of transition, I am your security. My presence goes with you through every changing season. Do not fear tomorrow. I am already there. I lovingly call you to a new adventures. Change in your life doesn't happen by chance. Nothing can thwart my plans for you, plans for good and not evil. In the midst of this changing world, I am constant and never change. What would it be like if we all decided to praise God every day, to take up that challenge if we resolved right now to make the choice to praise god every and for every situation up in prayer with thanksgiving and to give it to god trusting in his tender care to concentrate our minds our thinking on whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable whatever is excellent or praiseworthy This is my challenge to you. Will you join me on November 1st on a 30-day praise challenge? On Facebook, post nothing ugly, nothing impure, nothing sensational, nothing unjust, nothing vicious, but instead post something maybe from the 30 days of praise. I'll include those reflections also (coughs) on our noonday prayer on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. (coughs) What will happen? I think we will be a people who will know in our hearts the presence of God in a way that we have never yet experienced it because this is what Paul says. The God of peace will be with you and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.